Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Do I Still Love It? The podcast that remembers when Hot Topic was edgy enough to scare parents. I'm your host, Marshall James. And I'm Laura Weiss. And every week, uh, we invite a special guest over to watch a movie that they loved when they were kids to see whether or not they still love it now that they're an adult. And the grown-up adult we totally have in the room with us right now is Mary Hamilton, optician extraordinaire, along with her puppy sidekick, Pom Pom. Hi. <laughs> Guys, uh, you, need to, you need to check out our Instagram if you want to see that Pom Pom is dressed specifically a, for the movie we are about to watch. She is, she's dressed as a pretty woman. <laughs> she's a very pretty woman. She is. She's wearing polka dots, an homage to the polo dress. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we've kind of let the cat out of the bag. We're here to watch 1990s. No, no, no. It's, it's quite all right. We're here to watch 1990s Pretty Woman, uh, which was Mary's immediate suggestion. Laura immediately ratified it. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm along for this ride. You guys, I'm pretty pumped about this because this, is, this makes it the second week in a row, just by happenstance, that we're doing a movie that I choreographed and did a dance for in front of the public prior to age 12 to something on the soundtrack. Now that you've shared that, you do know you're going to do that dance for us. <laughs> you know, I probably could remember it. I probably yeah. could remember it. I got to listen yeah. to the song first. And I believe Laura might have mentioned that there may exist videotape out there. Potentially. So you might if, need to gram it. If I could track it down, <laughs> pay attention, of course, to at do I still love it on Instagram for updates. Uh, so as we like to do on the show, Mary Hamilton, what do you remember Pretty Woman being about? Okay, so... I think I still have this movie memorized from when Perfect. I was a kid because I watched the VHS copy so many times. Like, we had three VHS tapes in my house. This, The King and I, and Big Business. And I watched the three of them, like, nonstop. Uh-huh. So I do remember Eclectic. that it's about a hooker with a heart of gold, although these days we would call her a sex worker. Um, a sex worker with a heart of gold who um, falls in love with a dashing older man, and there's some trouble, and then there's... Beautiful ending. It's like Cinderella, but with um, prostitution. <laughs> it's Cinderella, but the glass shoe is a knee-high boot. Yes! <laughs> Very nice. It should have been the tagline. <laughs> so, okay, so this is a movie. It's a comedy, but it is a movie about uh, prostitution, mm-hmm. where our main character is a prostitute, and her love interest is a person who hires prostitutes, so what I want to know is, what were you little girls doing allowed to watch this movie? <laughs> you know, I find that funny. Like, I, my mom just let me watch whatever I wanted, and she wanted to watch Pretty Woman, so she was basically like, well, you're in the room, and I'm a stay-at-home mom, so this is what we're doing this afternoon. And I was like, I love the music and the costume! <laughs> yeah, I think I didn't understand. Well, I don't. I would say the movie is not about prostitution. True, that's just a part of the backstory. It's a part of the backstory. The movie is about two people from differing backgrounds, finding common it's true. love. It's true. <laughs> but like I on the opposite end, both my parents worked. And so I think for me it was just like yep. I'm gonna watch Pretty Woman Big Business and the King and I over and over again. <laughs> so it was because you were a latchkey kid yeah. and it was because Laura's mom was like, it's either this or I'm watching my stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and on other days we watched the stories. I was gonna so. say one of these days we will have to do uh 
soap operas. Do I still love it? Well, that's great. And it'd be very easy. And we could just pick a soap opera from today because the every single episode of every single soap opera is the exact same thing. It is. So that works out. I feel like we'll owe it to ourselves to find like what was the lighting costumes and storylines like in the late 80s. I would say we should do Do I Still Love It? Passions. Oh my God. Yes. That's the one with the magical midget, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I was going to say, I remember as a child, I tried to start watching Days of Our Lives because my sister watched it. And I remember there was a, a line, a storyline where one of the characters got possessed by the devil. And that was the week that I watched it. Oh, my gosh. Nice. Yeah. That sounds like it would be Marlena. 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 My favorite yeah. soap opera story was I was little. I was like six or seven. And my brother is 10 years older than me. So he had all of his friends over during the summer. And there were, like, six of them at the house. And then there was one kid. He was, like, bigger and stronger than all the other kids. He was, like, kind of the ringleader of this group. And they are probably all, like, juniors in high school. And he walks in the room, and all the other guys are just, like, following him. Like, he's the cool guy. He walks in the room, and he looks at my mom, and he's like, oh, man, you're watching as the world turns? What's going on? I haven't watched it in a couple weeks. (laughs) And he sits down with my mother, and they watch an entire episode together. And they're talking about character lines and story arcs and all this stuff. And it was one of the first times that I ever saw a guy step out of the gender norm and own it. That's wow. beautiful. Isn't it? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I have never, don't think I've ever told anyone that story in my <laughs> life. But like when I think of soap operas, I think of that guy. Yeah, the only thing I think of when I think of soap operas <laughs> is the fact that uh, my mom loved soaps when I was young. And I, being a, a very typical boy, was like, soap operas are dumb. But then when I would watch Saturday morning cartoons, I actually got my mom to get really invested in the X-Men animated cartoon show because the X-Men <laughs> are is a soap so opera. so good. It's just a soap <laughs> opera with superpowers. Yeah, sure. Maybe um, that was my soap opera too then because I was really into the X-Men yeah, animated series. Yeah. So let's get back to, <laughs> to Pretty Woman. So what was it about Pretty Women? Uh, like we've heard from Laura that it was the soundtrack and the costumes that drew her in, but what was it about Pretty Woman that drew, aside from it being, was it only because it's one of your only three options? No, actually, since you said the costumes, I think it's basically like you're watching a dress-up movie. Like, every scene way, she yeah. has a different pretty dress on. Uh, <laughs> she is kind of like Scandalous Barbie. Yeah. Uh, she is. It's yeah. like, yeah. She's I was really into paper Barbie. dolls and Pretty Woman, I guess, so, yeah. <laughs> <Holy>. <laughs> Well, won't you reminisce with us about dressing up your Barbies in whatever outfits you were able to pick up at the store? And then having your Kens pick them up for money. I did have pretty scandalous Barbie adventures, I will say. (laughs) Didn't we all? Must have been influenced by something. (laughs) It's like those scandalous Barbie adventures were really like the first taboo that no one talked about. Like pre-masturbation, pre-all this stuff. We're only admitting it as adults. I think if you talk to any girl, like their Barbies were doing some stuff. uh, I, I don't think I ever saw Barbies clothed unless they were being played with at the moment. Barbies everywhere are just naked in a closet somewhere. (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) Well, won't you reminisce about all the toys you have left naked in a closet somewhere as we watch 1990s Pretty Woman? Welcome to Hollywood. Everybody comes to Hollywood got a dream. What's your dream? When I was a little girl, I would pretend I was a princess trapped in the tower, and then this knight on a white horse would come charging up and rescue me. Could you tell me how to get to Beverly Hills? Sure. For five bucks. You can't charge me for directions. I can do anything I want to, baby. I ain't lost. All right, okay. You have change for 20? For 20, I'll show you a person. 
dressed. You kidding me? I come here all the time. Well, color me happy. There's a sofa in here for two. Close your mouth, dear. This girl, does she work? She's in sales. Touchstone Pictures presents the story of a date. Isn't a date, it's business. That led to a deal. I have a business proposition for you. I'm going to be in town until Sunday. I'd like you to spend the week with me. <laughs> That's becoming a dream come true. <laughs> Time to shop. Get rid of your gum. All right. I don't believe you did that. You're going to be spending an obscene amount of money in here. So we're gonna need a lot more help sucking up to us because that's what we really like. Oh. You understand me, sir? If I may say so, you're in the right store and the right city, for that matter. They're two people who have no business being together. Everybody is trying to land him. Well, I'm not trying to land him. I'm just using him for sex. Just doing a little business. <laughs> Company I'm buying this week. I'm getting for the bargain price of about one billion. A billion dollars. Your folks must be really proud, huh? Everything was going their way. Well done. Until I don't want you to go. You hurt me. Yes. Don't do it again. Something unexpected happened. What the hell is wrong with you this week? You fall in love with him, but I not teach you anything. Look, I'm not stupid, okay? I'm I'm not in love with him. I can find you an apartment and get you a car. I want more. I want the fairy tale. I thank you. A very special woman. Touchstone Pictures presents Richard Gere. So what happened after? He climbed up the tower and rescued her. Julia Roberts. She rescues him right back. Pretty woman. Maybe you guys could, like, um, get a house together. Buy some diamonds. Oh! <laughs> All right, and that was 1990's Pretty Woman, starring Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. My, uh... My knight in shining armor complex is really uh, <laughs> a little overwhelming. Yeah. This evening. <laughs> yeah, I while watching this movie, I was just like, "Whoa, this movie messed up a lot of people." <laughs> oh, I've yeah. heard I've heard lines and ideas about romance and ideas about idealized partners that are straight out of this script. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, watching it as an adult, I have, like, a lot of, like, feminist classist issues. <laughs> but feminist fight... and classist. Yes, I think we both. really need to touch on that second one. <laughs> yes. I wasn't really prepared for that one at all. Yes. But that final scene, it still got me. It's so <laughs> yeah. romantic. That's so funny. I was still like, oh. Yeah. So let's get right into it. So mm-hmm. Richard Gere is playing our super rich, very distant monotone seems to have like a social anxiety or like a <laughs> like a communication disorder yeah. yeah he breaks up with his living girlfriend by saying maybe you should move out and she says fine and hangs up on him well they, like, that's how they break up i actually really liked maybe i should just move out we'll talk about it when you get back i'll move out when you get back and he's like today would be good yeah <laughs> and then and she's like the fine end. i'm gone click and then he goes after it's gone click, goodbye, Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> like, does he have a learning disability? Like, why does he there, yeah. Why does he relate to people in this weird way? It's he, because and then no le- one ever loved him. Yeah, and less than 24 hours later, he hires a woman to stay with him for a week. It's within a, it's within, yeah, 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 yeah. So he, this breakup happens while he is at a house party being hosted by Jason Alexander uh, from from Seinfeld, and he just immediately leaves, steals Jason Alexander's 
car, which is a uh, fancy schmancy Lotus, fancy as Lotus Esprit, with the idea that like, oh, I can't wait for them to like dig my limousine out of your of your valet. Which one? Who owns a limousine and that's their primary mode of transportation? That's so eighties. It's true. It's could, kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Especially, well, he doesn't own that limousine. Or maybe he does. Maybe he has an East Coast limousine and a West Coast oh, limousine. Oh, he says, he says, my first car was a limousine. Yeah, When she right. criticizes him for not being able to drive stick. But, like, if your first car is a limousine, you don't drive it. Like, how does he even know how to drive, period? True. He barely does. <laughs> well, true. he's driving true. his stick. <laughs> Yeah, he, he keeps fucking up this really nice car because he doesn't know how to drive stick. And I'm still not exactly sure, like, okay, so Richard Gere is an asshole, and I never see him stop being one, so I don't understand why we're supposed to root for them well, to Well, I think together. that's the thing that, that really struck me about this that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting more of an arc where it's like, I was ex- I was expecting this is, this is such a classic romance movie. I was expecting an arc where there would be a belief at some place in my mind that this was going to last. But I get to the end, spoiler alert, and I'm just completely (laughs) 100% not sold on this idea. I'm like, in three months, he's going to dump you in a gutter. Yeah. Because he is a selfish fucking prick. The movie starts with him breaking up with his living girlfriend as we've covered in a very short conversation. And then when we meet Vivian, we see pictures of her on her wall that are all her and the other person has been literally torn out of her picture, which means she's not very good at conflict. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's like these two don't have a history of healthy relationships or healthy breakups of relationships. No. Right. And and they're And they haven't shown that they're ready to create a healthy relationship. Not in the least. <laughs> because again, their relationship this relationship is entirely based around that sort of teenage style relationship where she idealizes him because he's baseline decent to her some of the time. Yes. And he likes her because she's attractive. Well, I I would I mean, and not to clever. Give, yes, clever. She's yeah. attractive. Not and to give too much credit, but she's actually someone he can relax with. Yeah, you know, it did strike me at one moment, though. She's very childish. Oh, yeah. She's very childlike in kind of an almost creepy way at some points, where it's like he's, like, really attracted to this woman who doesn't have much of an education, mm-hmm. is sort of like everything is new and shiny to her. He's like, ooh, hot six-year-old. Yeah, and he's <laughs> very much, like, it's it seems more like a male fantasy than a female fantasy, this That's movie. Interesting. That's where interesting. it's like she's this person that idolizes him and isn't, doesn't really challenge yeah, him. Yeah, you know, I think actually you're really onto something because it, it occurred to me that this is a modern pic. This is a this is a manic pixie dream girl story, like, and it really actually is more of a like it's a it's a fantasy that will screw up a woman's perception of romance. I'm sure, but it really is like a male fantasy because think about it. He who never is very nice to her at all. He is a success. He's never punished for being a success whatsoever. He's never punished for being an asshole whatsoever. He's able to win her affection through money alone. Because he's (laughs) never more than just buying things for her. He's mean to her most of the movie, but he's very loose with... He's mean, dismissive, or demeaning. 
but he's very loose with his wallet and it is sort of a like one of these like really backwards male fantasies it's like i can do whatever i want because i'm paying you so you know like but but, uh, but you know what money is no object because three thousand dollars to have a beautiful woman by my side for a week is small potatoes. I will argue, and I can't believe I'm playing devil's advocate on this, <laughs> because uh. it's all very low level. Throughout the process, there is this underlying story of he's trying to buy yet another business, because he buys businesses and breaks them up like an evil, you know, corporatist. And then at the very, very end, after all of this, he decides that he's not going to do it again. He's not going to be that evil corporatist again. He's going to He's going to invest further in this guy's in this guy's business instead of buy it outright and they're going to try to make a success of it together. And I think that that was supposed to be a character arc of him becoming less of a bad person. It was like laughable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz he spent all this time with this woman but the person he like changes for is the business. Oh, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't change his behavior toward her one iota. No. Like, we're supposed to think he's a good guy because he saves her from being sexually assaulted, but that just means he's a decent Decent human human being. (laughs) You know, uh, intervening when someone's getting attacked just means you have common decency. sexually assaults her and would have raped her had he not come into the room. Can I just note that Pom Pom did growl the moment Jason Alexander appeared on the screen. It's true. Which yeah. just shows that my dog is awesome. Side yeah. note. There we go. Um, <laughs> she, knows she knows what's up. She's a good judge of character. But um, it is, it also draws that line between like good guy, bad guy. Like yeah. the bad guy is the one that assaults her, and the good guy is the nice man with the money. Right. And it's like, yeah. Because up until this point, Jason Alexander and Richard Gere have been indistinguishable except for the fact that one's quote unquote handsome. Uh, but otherwise, they, True, they yeah. engage in the same behavior. They're mm-hmm. very dismissive and objectifying of literally everyone around them. And, yeah, the difference between them is only drawn, is only sussed out in the last 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where suddenly Jason Alexander takes a huge turn for the worse, and Richard Gere has a huge turn for the better? Decent. <laughs> Acceptable. Acceptable yeah. level of action so this uh this film is uh like they kept making references to cinderella but it's really more of uh as laura points out it's a adaptation of my fair lady which is itself an adaptation of pygmalion which is like a greek right like Mm -hmm. an ancient greek play about a sculptor who's so in love with his sculpture he somehow wills it into being and then Uh, has to teach it how to be in society it's literally a story about I, like I make putting someone on a pedestal and idolizing them and then making them a real for you. Yeah, and based I mean, on visual attributes. Yes, <laughs> and then teaching yeah. them how to be a person based on what he likes. Like throughout the courtship of the movie, she's falling in love with him because he's showing her his world. And the one day that she shows him her world is they sit in the park and he reads Shakespeare to her. Like. She doesn't even get to show him her world. Yes. It's just, oh my gosh, you're totally that's right. She's really falling in love because he takes her to the opera and he takes her to this polo match and he dresses her in pretty clothing. I gotta and say, though, if a guy took me to the opera and then was like, let's go read Shakespeare in the park, I'd be like, yeah, I'm fun in love with you for a minute. <laughs> I, will, I will give her that. That, right. would, that would probably sweep me off my feet if, if he wasn't also showing signs of being a 
gross asshole. Which he yeah. was. Because that guy wouldn't have gotten that far with me to be able to show me the softer side. Mm-hmm. But... There's just no evidence that it's going to be any different than his other relationships. None. Like, she's going to talk to his secretary just as much as the others. Yeah. Right. I think the sequel to this movie would be very dark. It'd be an HBO miniseries or something. It would just be like... (laughs) Like Whoever owns the rights to this movie, you want to probably get on this. (laughs) It's time. Yeah. One thing that really rubbed me wrong was um, in the climactic kind of romance part, he was basically like, I... I want to see you again. And what that means for me is I'm going to get you an apartment. We're going to get you an allowance. We're going to get you all this stuff. And then she's basically like, fuck off. I wanted the fairy tale. I wanted the guy to... bullshit. (laughs) I wanted the guy to come in and sweep me off my feet and make everything go away. You're just going to give me money and a home. And it was just one of these weird things where I'm like, both of you suck. Like... It, it, I don't I don't know where either of you think you're making demands that are acceptable. Yeah, like if he had said, I want to see you again, but I'm worried about your safety. Right. In the c- career that you're in. Right. <laughs> or like, like, or like money's nothing to him. I want to see you again. Come with me to New York. Yeah. Like, it's simple. It doesn't change their relationship, and but it's it- not quite the same as like... I, you are now my prize. And I will I think keep what's, you. What's frustrating is the, the writing in this film could have been ever so slightly different in that scene that could have more clearly made that made that a piece of what she was saying. A piece of, I want to be in your life. I want to mm-hmm. be a part of your life. I want you to be a part of my life. I want to be a fully formed person. Because that is what she wants. And you can you can kind of tell that. But instead, she tells this dumb story about how there's just a white knight that's going to come save her, and that's all she ever wanted in her childhood. And it, it totally kills the moment, because she could actually stand up and be like, I don't just want to be an escort. I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. I want to be me with you, which is exactly what you can tell she wants. So why wasn't that the conversation that they wrote? Why didn't an empowering conversation about being, like, honestly with each other... Yeah, like, if they want to actually human-to-human be with each other. Exactly. To him saying, I want to be with you, is him saying, I'll buy you an apartment. Yeah. And I guess for her saying, I want to be with you, is I want you to whisk me off my feet. And, like, both of them seem like they're, like, completely... Again, it's like, how do they end up together? Because they are obviously not connecting at all. You guys, they probably didn't end up together. He probably, like, like crawled up the thing, went up there, gave her the flowers, they kissed, and then he was like, so, I got you this apartment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's the thing. But, like, I'll come, I'll make sure I come visit twice a month. Like, what's I won't changed? just leave you here. Just that he showed up in a limousine? We like, don't know. <laughs> Right. I mean, are we supposed to assume that he asked her to come back with him to New York or yes. that he's going to relocate to L.A. to run this? I honestly believe we're Long supposed Beach. to understand that he's asking her to go to New York with him. Maybe guess. they moved to San Francisco together because oh. that's where they saw the opera. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of like weird romantic tropes that now I've heard like way too much and I think started with this movie is her line about how she doesn't kiss any of her Johns on the mouth. There's a mm-hmm. moment where they're like getting romantic on that first night and he's like, what do you do? And she's like, anything. 
but I don't kiss on the mouth. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Anything, enco- I live in the age of the internet. Anything encompasses a lot of really, <laughs> really much worse than just kissing strangers and stuff. No, and I, I think if I, I really feel like I've had multiple conversations in my life where girls have said that kissing on the mouth is more uh, intimate than other sexual interactions. And Marshall, so I brought that up, as and Marshall was like, yeah, but do they feel that way because they grew up watching this movie? Exactly. <laughs> do they feel that way because because they were told that that's what's supposed to be, that's like supposed to be a thing, that kissing on the mouth is supposed to be specifically quote-unquote romantic? Totally. Whereas sex can just be seen as, as like transactional, but kissing on the mouth cannot be seen as transactional. Um, and you have a good point, and I don't have an answer for it, but... <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting. I don't think it's about the physical where the bodies are touching. I think it's the emotional meaning behind a kiss. I don't know if it's because people grew up with this movie, or I don't know if this movie was like reflecting what some people feel, or if like the writer of this movie made that something so that you could see the moment that they fall in love, which is right. when they kiss. So they wanted to have there be some like moment for that. Oh, so, right. by the way, guys, she says I love you to him on day four. Yeah, right. Yes. And he never says it. Back. He nope. never. We never. He never once says it. I this found it so weird, dimmed. uncomfortable, and out of place. Yes. Well, and that's the other thing is it. It implies this idea that you must fall in love with people that you kiss, which also seems like destined. That's for... a lot of responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that it's almost like a reverse of the save yourself for marriage sort of thing. It's like. Uh, oh, well, sex, you know, whatever, she's a prostitute. But there's got to be something she's saving for, you know. Because well, a woman has actually, to save something for a man. In a way, that makes, makes more sense. Like, if her job is the sex part, then maybe it makes more sense that she would want to save something for herself. Or do you think what it is, is they're just like, well, we gotta, we're, you know, this is a movie written in the 80s. This has, we have to have either a virgin, like, we have to have our main character be virginal in some way. And how do you make a prostitute virginal? You know, you should you do invent this. Is you should have any of your listeners who are sex workers write in and let you know. Good question. If, if this you, is common industry practice or if it's a trope that the movie is just a good question reflecting. that I don't know the answer yeah. to. Yeah. If you are a sex worker, let us know whether or not you kiss your clients on the mouth at Do I Still Love It all over the internet. <laughs> I'll retweet it. <laughs> or just like, like Instagram message or whatever and be like... Yeah, DM us. Yeah, or no. Or it's up to the individual person. Right. Because that'd be interesting because it's like, you know, you see sex workers portrayed in media so much and it's like... It's all tropes, but what's the truth? You know, what's behind yeah. the curtain? Like, tangent, or whatever. In this movie, I had a great issue with how retail workers were portrayed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the women were bitches, because they, like, kicked her out of the store. And then the people that she bought clothes from were, like, just groveling all over them because they had so much money, which was... The money in this movie was disgusting. <laughs> um, and then when she went back, she, like, those women were supposed to feel bad because they didn't make commission. And it just made salespeople just seem like the lowest rung, which really I feel like the people that are using money to define themselves as worthy are disgusting. And that's, like, what this whole movie was. That's a really good point. This this movie is romanticizing the worst parts of capitalism. Well, I mean, it is the 80s. <laughs> it's capitalism, yeah. Well, it was more like Vivian was this horrible thing until she 
had all this money and these expensive clothes, and then she was worth people and then, liking? Yeah, and then we get to the point, so, you know, she goes in, and, and they basically are like, we don't have anything for you here. Kicks her out. And then he takes her back, and then we have this total reversal, where he walks in and he's like, I am so rich that all of you people that work in sales are going to grovel at my yes. feet. And it's really and disgusting. It's like, disgusting. And so it's, then the salespeople are the ones who are, sorry yeah, to interrupt, but they're, yeah. they're the ones that are the bottom rung and they don't matter to him at all because they're salespeople. Literally the only thing lower than the salespeople, the only thing that they can look down on is the prostitute. But here's what's weird. That's the joke of the scene. He's smiling the whole time because he's like, guess what, salespeople at a fancy store, you're lower than a whore now. Eat my shoe. It's so gross. Go you now buff out the scuff on this whore's shoes. Like, he's lapping it up. Yeah, when he says, I've never treated you like a prostitute, like, the whole movie he's treating her like a prostitute. He's treating... Everybody he comes in contact with. <laughs> As a prostitute. As a prostitute. And it's like... Well, he's a person who buys and sells people for a living. And that's what this whole movie is just... like. As a, I still love it because of like my heart still loves it. But as like an adult woman watching this movie, I'm just like, it is disgusting, the class hierarchy that it just like reinforces. And yeah, I'm just grossed out. <laughs> I kept being struck by the fact that like, I was watching it and I was like, this guy, Richard Gere's character, is the most romanticized version of exactly who Donald Trump is. <laughs> like, he he puts no value in anybody around him. He is utterly disgusted by everyone, regardless of whether or not they are his friends or enemies. And he's, like, utterly ruthless and uncaring about anyone until the last... 10 minutes of the movie when he has a sudden reversal completely unexplained for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I just realized, like, he didn't meet any of Vivian's friends. Like, he doesn't meet anyone from her world. He doesn't uh-huh. walk in her world at all. Right. Which means that he just wants to, like, pluck her out of her world and, like, absorb her into his, and then everything will be okay. Right. It's like this totally, like, you guys, it is I Donald let, Trumpian. It's this I let dudes do that. To, well, no, I was cool with dudes doing that to me until I was 30. Whoa. <laughs> no, like, seriously, that is a thing. I got really good at it. And it's because of, of this type of messaging when I grew up, which is just like, as a female, you are supposed to project a certain thing that will make you valuable mm-hmm. in, a, in, like, a way that a person would want to be with you. And independence and, is not... Yeah. And I was highly independent in my own life, but then the second that I would roll in to a relationship when I was younger, I would, I would meld myself into a specific thing to fit into that. And you can't deny the fact uh, that there is, there is an entire genre of film that is basically teaching young girls that that's the way you're supposed to move through the world. You can be as independent as you want when you are on your own. You can be as independent as you want when you are with the other women. But the second that there is a man that is interested in you, you need to project a very specific thing and you need to get good at figuring out what that specific thing is customized to each man. Yeah. That's why I think this is actually a male fantasy movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and it, like going back 100%, I didn't even catch on until you mentioned it that there is no 
re- her life redeemed in his eyes moment. No, no. Like, in, in a modern version, if this movie was to be remade now, I would be very surprised if they didn't put in a scene where she goes, put on some jeans. Do you, pl- tell me you have jeans. And he's just like, yeah, I have a pair. Or she right. takes him mm-hmm. to buy him a pair of jeans, and then they go to a pool hall or a karaoke bar yeah. or Jumbo's defense. clown room or something and just have a really good <laughs> or, time. Or, like, she, instead of him reading Shakespeare to her in the park, why can't she be reading something to him? Like, we Guy, don't know what Vivian likes. We have no, no idea what her interests are. In defense of Vivian, <laughs> she did take him to, like, a burger joint and we scanned past it for three seconds true. with the it's music true. underlay. Are we sure? I really feel like we saw a lot of her world. Are we sure she's the one who chose to go to this burger joint? You have a point. Because yeah. she's very slender. It doesn't strike me as someone who's a burger eater. Oh, she, oh, totally she, she only eats a salad. Eater. That's true. She makes the reference about, I only know how the salad board works. <laughs> like, they are presented with watercress sandwiches. It's just sandwiches with a little, little bit of watercress mm-hmm. and cucumber on it. And she looks at it as like, I don't know how to eat sandwiches. Like it's the old true. man goes, oh, I, I don't know it. how to use eat, use forks for sandwiches either. And then he picks it up and just eats the sandwich the way you eat a sandwich. Then she eats the sandwich the way you eat a sandwich. Yeah, but if you're at a fancy no. restaurant, yeah. like even a sandwich, you're like, I uh... would have felt, if I was in her shoes in that moment, mm-hmm. I would have felt extreme anxiety because I would have been like, wait, I prepared specifically for all these specific foods and they literally put finger food in front of me. What the Fuck yeah, and I'm in a fancy restaurant, and I can't just pick this up with my hands and yeah. eat it like a commoner, yeah. <laughs> you know, and oh, disappoint no. the rich man. I feel like that was actually a moment of of like I got that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Can we also say like we the first one of the first things we learn about Vivian is that she loves cars. Like mm-hmm. cars are her jam. It's completely so thrown away. Don't after you that. think <laughs> that something nice he could have done is to like take her to some sort of car thing fantastic <laughs> like, or this it, is the only thing he knows about her or she takes him to like a race or a rally or a car show like it was really nice of him to fly her to the opera but that's what he likes <laughs> like guys isn't there a pretty woman too was that ever made oh i'm sure there is. no i don't but it's think probably direct to video i think they did runaway bride instead maybe oh right yeah right no i mean like it was i thought there was a pretty woman too with like different actors where again she fulfills character. his fantasy maybe yeah. i don't know but <laughs> there I was could like, be like a low rent pretty woman too. yeah that's kind of what i was thinking but i don't actually i'm not sure like i've actually seen american psycho too <laughs> yes this, I, I, I do feel like i do feel like Christian Bale's character is just Richard Gere after this relationship inevitably yes. falls apart. And he, that could be that could be true. I, I I encourage all of our listeners to after you get done watching Pretty Woman, watch American Psycho, but assume that Christian Bale is just reprising Richard Gere's role. Because what year does American Psycho take place? Like, oh, I, I think it's also like in the eighties or early nineties. Like, let's say it takes place in the early eighties, like eighty four. Uh huh. Oh, this so is six young years, Richard Gere. Six years later. Yeah. He's less of a psychopath, or he's just taking the long game with his next victim. Or he's, like, heavily medicated. Mm. He does seem very, like, one note throughout the whole movie. <laughs> he is probably very heavily medicated. Yeah. Um, I th- I do think, just to, to wrap up the whole story of, like, her world, he did end the film basically, like, walking into her world. 
but he but was she's taking about her to away. He was rescuing her. But the concept was rescue. So yeah, he like literally was toilet. rescuing yeah. her from. The, he was rescuing her from the tower that she was. Yeah, trapped. let me rescue. <laughs> he was afraid of heights, guys. He's afraid that's of heights. That's the part that got to me. Anyway. Even though I have all these qualms with the movie, I was like, that scene came up, and I was like, oh my god, it <laughs> is so funny. It's so weird that like this is a tactic used to humanize an inhuman man. It's like, oh, 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 but he's afraid of Heinz. That makes him sweet. That makes him cute, because, like, he's afraid of things. But he's but despite being afraid of things, he everything is on the top floor of everything, because I have to show off my wealth. Yeah. You know what else he's afraid of? What? Emotions. I was going to (sighs) say, love. That's true. Yeah, love. And he, you know what? He still is, because he didn't say he loves her. Yeah. It's true. Why didn't he say it on the fire escape? Because it, honestly, I feel like the mistake here was that she said it. Yeah. Agreed. There's no way they're in love yet. No. No. They don't know each other. No. I'm in love with your money. Yeah. And probably the way you have sex. And and the first, and also I'm, I'm realizing she's only had three boyfriends in her life. Like she, we, there's that scene where they're like yeah. naked in the bed and she's mm-hmm. like bum one, bum two, and bum three. And then this is the guy that she's gonna like run away with. She's never had a healthy relationship. She's, she's also never, very young. She's very young. So, she's uh, never been treated well. I think that Julia Roberts was 20, between 20 and 22 when she did this. Yeah. Um, Somewhere, yeah, I definitely know she was that young. And the character, I think, was supposed to be that same age. Yeah, and then how old do you think Richard Gere is at this time? 40? 40, yeah. Nice. I think she's probably supposed to be, like, 18, 19, yeah. the character. Mm-hmm. So they're playing, like, the old-school version of Hollywood's favorite game, Daughter or Girlfriend. <laughs> right, niece, guys. Niece. 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 And then, of course, uh, uh, the maitre d' of the hotel... <laughs> after being informed uh she's uh she's not my niece they never are yeah that's my favorite <laughs> uh, okay so i have to talk about the fact that uh speaking of terrible romantic messages there's a point where at the polo match she is seen briefly talking oh, we we yeah. there's oh, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's never really a payoff for this but she's seen talking to the son of the business owner whom Richard Gere is buying out. Of course there's a payoff for this. Well, so, but, so here's the payoff. The payoff is the next scene or a couple scenes later, his romantic line that he says instead of saying, you know, I like you, I actually, I really like you, or I, I'm come, I've come to really care about you, or, you know, or you're special to me. Any number of genuine things he could instead, say. Instead, he says. Instead, he says, I saw you talking to Richard Morris. I didn't like it. We were just talking. I didn't like it. Oh my god, he loves her. <laughs> he he like, wants to possess her and not let any other man even have a casual conversation with her. You guys are gonna get back. I saw on my you talking box. in public with somebody. I didn't like I it. I didn't like it. I'm gonna get back on my soapbox as to all the ways in which this is really fucked up stuff to teach young ladies. <laughs> yeah. And um like, so when I was a teenager, like, probably through my mid-20s, if I was trying to figure out, like, I'm just really barren, barren at all right now. Yeah. If I was trying to figure out if I was, like, wanted to be with the guy that I was serious with, like, say I'm, like, four or five months into a relationship and I'm trying to figure out whether or not to take it the next step or mm-hmm. throw it out the window, I would literally meditate on the concept of, let me picture him making out with another girl. Does it bother me? Does it bother me? Am I jealous? Oh, I'm jealous. I should stay with him. 
does it bother me? Am I jealous? I'm not jealous. I should end this. Like, like, this is literally how I made decisions about the guys that I dated. And, like, this is, like... Like this is now one of the signs we teach young women, like yeah. run away. <laughs> like, yeah. Now yeah. it's like if a man says that to you, you gotta like get out, like he's pack going, a bag. This is only gonna get worse, <laughs> lady. Only gonna get worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jealousy like, is not attractive, especially that kind of jealousy. I didn't like that you were talking to another man, so I told my skeezy friend that you were a total girl. jerk. That you're. Not a prostitute, not a sex worker, a hooker. And then he tries to sexually assault you, yeah. and we act like I didn't do anything wrong. Right. Yeah, he propositions you, and it's all cool. Right. Like, he's still my BFF. Right. Because bros before hoes. <laughs> Literally. Like, <laughs> no. He does not treat her with respect. Ugh, that scene really bothered me, too. I don't treat you like a hooker. You just did. <laughs> that line could that could have been like the end of every scene in the movie. <laughs> the sad thing is, she she says it under her breath when he's out of range to hear it. She should have said it to his face. Yes. He walks away. He goes, "I never treated you like a hooker." Walk, 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 walk. You just did. She really should have just taken the apartment and the car, used it to give herself like a leg up. And then said, bye, Felicia. And then said, bye, Felicia. Yeah. <laughs> said, I, yeah. Bye. Thanks for the home. Bye. You know. But her emotions got involved because she kissed him on the mouth and that just that's like, all over. She made the so fatal You know, mistake. that's the problem with lady folk. <laughs> They're just you, so emotional. You, the moment you kiss them, they lose their mind. Logically. I love you. Oh, man, I shouldn't have kissed her. <laughs> he has the. Also, if you look at him in this scene, because they're, they're like spoon hugging. And he's behind. And he's behind her, and she's just staring past the camera and is like, I love you. And the look on his face, flat, emotionless. A, a beautiful woman that you are supposed to be falling in love with just said, I love you. And he has literally <laughs> zero, zero facial response to it. She is, We, we I will say it. Julia Roberts. I mean, anybody would have fallen just, in love with her. Oh, she's gorgeous and charming and amazing in this movie. Yeah, no, I I will, d- to take a step back from Pretty Woman and just talk about Julia Roberts for a second, like, of course she became America's sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's like, perfect in this, <laughs> such a unique way. She's so charming. She's the pretty girl so that charming. was nice to everyone in high school. Like, yeah. that's how she comes across. And right. is funnier than anyone else in the room. Mm-hmm. Right. And is, like, yeah. charming and is, like, can, like, chill with the with the maitre d', you know. And there is something, like, there is something kind of innocent and childlike about her, like, huge eyes and her huge smile. Uh, and yet, at the same time, like, she doesn't, she doesn't look childlike. Like, she, she looks like a woman who just behaves like a child. And that's why I'm saying, like, it kind of... It definitely kept making me think this is like a this is another Manic Pixie Dream Girl story because mm-hmm. she has that like childish I don't care about anything which again this is a person who is having who has been forced into life as a prostitute because she followed a terrible boyfriend out to Hollywood and has to support herself this way right. and yet throughout the movie she has this like looking down her nose at the fact that he is paying her to be a prostitute. Like, she herself seems to reflect his distaste of her uh, being a prostitute. And, like, 
she can't seem to get over like she's just like you know like oh is it just money like he, he gives her like the full money like four days in and she's just like oh it's like you're still a sex worker like you're, you're still a prostitute you're you can't I just, I don't get it. I just, <laughs> Guys, I feel like this is a good time to jump into the, was this acceptable viewing as a child? Oh, yes. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it clearly shaped the woman I've become today. <laughs> but I don't think so. <laughs> like, yeah, or the- maybe better as a child than as a adult who can see all the flaws in it. Right, exactly. Like, maybe better that a 10-year-old watched it and was like, this is great. I mean, like, I think the thing that's that's interesting is all the reasons why I don't think this was appropriate viewing are all the reasons that in the 80s would have never been considered. If somebody didn't think this was appropriate viewing, they would have been like, oh, it's about sex workers. Or there's drug use there's in drug it. drug use mm-hmm. in it. I don't give a shit about that. Like mad respect <laughs> but if if you're gonna teach small small children boys and girls that yeah. this is what romance looks like you're being irresponsible and you shouldn't be you, you should be safeguarding your children's emotional health and safeguarding other people away from toxic shit like this mm-hmm. yeah. I think they should remake this movie where the sex worker saves the rich asshole dude from his life. Right. Like, well, the sex they, worker shows him yeah. the, the beauty of was not that. rich asshole life. Okay, so that's actually, yeah. that's interesting. Well, yeah, she said she saves him right back, but... But that's, no, that that is the most hollow line. But by leaving her life, like, I would love yeah. for it to be a woman who is, like, a dominatrix, or a woman who, like, <laughs> is <laughs> in the sex work industry, fully formed of her own choices, and, like, meets this guy, and is like, I'm gonna awaken your life, and I'm going to take you to the fucking opera because sex workers go to the opera sometimes, yeah. like, in right. real life. Well, it, or, yeah. the, or the other thing I think about is, you know, there's that, like, that classic song, uh, Common People by Pulp, uh-huh. mm-hmm. that I feel like you could have taken essentially the, the message of, the, of Common People and f- gender-flipped the narrator of the song, and it be this, like, here we have the Richard Gere character, he's this, like, heartless... Uh, company buyer and dismantler and here's this woman living as a sex worker let's say she's actually enjoying her life and is like hey uh your life as a uh corporatist is bullshit and let me show you some interesting stuff let's go to a museum let's hang out with uh, some people down on venice and beach then let's yeah. make some art and then yeah. we'll yeah yeah i mean one thing i did like is that this movie this is a romantic comedy where sex is part of the courtship even though uh-huh. it's like a paid transactional sex. Like, most romantic comedies, they, like, dance around each other, and then they kiss at the end, and you're really happy. But this is, like, they're two adults, and they bone. A lot. A yeah, lot. and I think in that way, this was uh, a groundbreaking film <laughs> for that specific topic. Mm-hmm. You know, we were all under 10 when this movie came out, minimum, and and so for us, that hasn't that has always kind of been a part of it, but this movie did really kind of break some ground yeah. on on sex being a part of a love story. Yeah. I would say, like, at the same time that this movie, when I was, like, 10, 11 years old, was by far one of my favorite movies that I would watch over and over again, I also went to, like, summer camp at a monastery. So I had, like... <laughs> you're, you're, you were very well-rounded. I was well-rounded. <laughs> <laughs> but 
it is. It's like that's the kind of like house I grew up in or whatever. But it's like you're able to be a good person and have sex. Yes, you are. Yeah, it's interesting if there if there is possibly one positive message coming out of all this other awful message <laughs> is while her profession is looked down on, the fact that they're boning isn't the thing that is looked down on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it so in a way, you know, this this movie somewhat normalizes, like you said, casual sex as part of the build of a relationship. And so it also we- normalizes casual sex for the sake of casual sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they might not be engaging in said casual sex because they somehow accidentally kissed on the mouth or, you know, accidentally fell into each other's mouths and thus the love started to grow because um, that's how this works. But uh, no, I the original transaction was supposed to just be casual sex. Yeah. Can I just say, I just really hope that Kit, like, made it out okay, her best friend. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, I just don't want her to be left behind. Yeah, so briefly, so Kit is her her roommate, who the only defining traits we know about her is that she also is a prostitute and that she is a drug addict irresponsible with money and is willing to spend all of their rent money continuously on drugs instead of actually paying their rent. Yeah. Um, And I I thought for sure, like, I didn't remember any of the basic plot point. Like, I remembered only the the arc of the movie. So, like... There's a moment early in the movie where, like, the crux that gets them out on the street so that she can meet Richard Gere is that her roommate has spent their money on drugs. And almost immediately in the very next scene, she has to leave some of the money she's made from Richard Gere at the front (laughs) desk and is like, hey, Kit, come get this. And I thought, ooh, I bet this is going to be a big plot point because Kit's going to come get the money, spend it all on drugs, and then Kit's going to get in trouble with her pimp. Or You know, I thought that was going to be... It was the most pointless setup with no payoff. There's no payoff for that. Yeah, I mean, Kit- the only payoff for that was that Kit finally did show up, uh, made everyone in the hotel uncomfortable with her complete, like, lack of decorum, and then looked at her and said, you're falling in love with him. You kissed him on the mouth. And then there gave her, go. like, permission. Yeah. 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 Gave her permission to, like, fall in love with him. Permission because he's rich. Because he's rich. That's the reason. Because Kit, her best friend, her only friend, didn't meet him. I mean, were I in Kit's shoes, who was probably really high at the time, I would be convinced (laughs) that my friend was, like, going to be murdered by this guy or that he was going to, like, sell her into sex slavery. Like, I would be, like... Who is this dude? Let me Google search him. Like, police check. 1990, no Googling. Well, she probably has, like, a cop friend. Like, do a background check. Hank Azaria, (laughs) you know? Like, do a background check and, like, make sure this guy is legit. Like, no, what best friend would say to you, like, would you say to your best friend, like, go after this guy that you've been dating for four days? No, right? Yeah, Yeah. it's crazy. I I have known, I have known people that would say that, though. Ugh, that's crazy. Well, considering all these messages, <laughs> uh, Mary Hamilton, do you still love it? I still love Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. I still love the outfits. And I still love Hector Elizondo. Oh. He was so great. He was so great. And I still love Bridget, the woman that helps her buy that first dress. She's wonderful. Ah, uh, yes. The first sweet shop. Key. Yeah. I want a Bridget in my life. I want to be everyone's Bridget. I'll be your Bridget. (laughs) (laughs) Laura Weiss, do you still love it? You know, it's weird because I actually enjoyed watching this movie, though I hate everything it stands for. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I feel it. 
But it's it's good storytelling with a bad message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a well done film. <laughs> and so I I can't in good conscience say I still loved it, but I also there's no I can't lie to you and say I hated this. Well, I could say that I really didn't care for this. <laughs> I I just couldn't get over that like Every character outside of Julia Roberts was... Oh, and uh, Hector and Hector Elizondo. Every character except them is very disgusting. And it's just a movie filled with opulent, disgusting, gross people, like, being patted on the back for being disgusting and opulent. There's a moment where he puts jewelry on her that's worth a quarter million dollars, and the thought that goes through my eyes, ugh. Gaudy jewelry is the worst. I thought that necklace was really beautiful. It was really pretty. Oh, it's really pretty, but like, it's like, this is how rich I am. I'll just cover this woman I own in money. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> it was, I mean, the money and the, it was just disgusting. I was like, the fuck out of that necklace if somebody yeah. brought that in my house. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably be scared for them to bring it in my house. I'd be like, get it out. My renter's insurance does not cover that shit. <laughs> like, well, uh, do you think pom pom? Pom pom, do you still love it? You did growl at Jason. You did growl at Jason Alexander. Pom Pom says, no. (laughs) Well, I'd really like to thank Pom Pom and Mary Hamilton for being on the show. Uh, Is there any projects you're working on that you would like to plug? Thanks for having me. And no, I'm an optician. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm I'm moving in a month, so I'm very excited about that. But yeah, be kind to retail workers. They're not as awful as they are in this movie. Say it from one that has been doing it for twenty years. So that's my that's my sign off. Oh, I like be, it. Be and nice to us. <laughs> great, fantastic. Well, don't you- treat the retail workers like Richard Gere treats any human. Yes. Right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening to Do I Still Love It? You can find us all over the internet at Do I Still Love It? Uh, definitely check out our website, Do I Still Love where I make a movie poster for every movie that we do. Uh, also, make sure to subscribe to us, rate and review us on iTunes or Google Play or the Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and share the podcast with a friend. Let them know that there's a great nostalgia podcast out there for them, and it's called Do I Still Love It? And for that podcast, I'm Marshall James. And I'm Laura Weiss. Saying, take care of you. Take care of you. Take care of you. Take care of you. <laughs>